What is up, horror nerds? We are back for a new episode of 3FN Horror Show. And uh, it's very exciting for the fourth episode, for the fourth time, carrying on this twice-a-month project that we have jumped into. And I'm so excited that a lot of people are tuning in. This, this episode, I will be reviewing Pumpkinhead. Of course, I'm the host of 3FN Podcast and the host here on 3FN Horror Show. My name is Rich, and I am coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. And I'm coming to you solo, dolo, by myself. I am all by myself on this one. Unfortunately, the person who was going to join me couldn't join me. So, you know, I said, hey, I got to get this out to everybody. Let's get the job done. I can do this. I'm a professional. And, uh, you know, I watched Pumpkinhead for the first time in 20 years to do this review. I think it was it's easily over 20 years. I probably have not seen this movie uh, thinking about when I was watching it since easily, easily 2000, somewhere between you know 2002 and 1998 is the last time that I've seen this movie. So it's been a long time. So that's the cool part about the, these shows that we're doing with the 3FN Horror Show. And there's a new project that'll be coming out soon that we'll be giving you more information on very soon about these older movies, getting to go back and watch them and review them and putting them into the 3FN canon that I'm so, so excited to be doing. But but before we jump into the rabbit hole, that is the review of Pumpkinhead and getting all that. Let me clear some business out of the way. Of course, if you're trying to find anything related to the 3FN podcast, whether it's the 3FN horror show, whether it's the 3FN flagship show, whether it's any new projects we're working on, bonus reviews, or even like 607TWS, it's easy. Just go to 3FNpodcast.com. All the links are there. All of our social media links are there. Make sure you're following us on all of those as well. Also, on top of that, you can find the Patreon link there, patreon.com slash 3FN podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content, plus you uh, help support us and everything we do here at 3FN podcast slash 8122production slash 607 podcast. So it's awesome. We also have the T public link there so you can get some swag, help support us monetarily. Also, you get to wear that nerd wear in the wild like we always like to see. Plus, you can check out friends of the show like the ODPH. You can check out the uh, musical acts who help us uh, bring you copyright free music every week, including the band that does the opening song for this very show. That, of course, is Nefarious by Obscure Form. Check them out and all the other great bands out in our musical directory and make sure you're supporting them on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And then last but certainly not least, there is a local sponsor section for the show. They help us bring you these shows every week, commercial free Giving a big shout out, though, though, to the main sponsor of this program, the 3FN Horror Show. And that, of course, would be Sci-Fi Horror Fest. It's going down August 25th and 26th of 2023 at Vernon Downs Casino in Vernon, New York. I know that's a far way off, but pretty soon, starting on Black Friday, there will be another ticket sale. And that will be the first time you can get day passes and VIP passes as well to the event coming up in August and that marked that in the calendar, Black Friday through Christmas Eve is that sale. Of course, that sale and everything else and all the information you need is at SciFiHorrorFest.com. And we thank them for sponsoring the show and everything we do here as well. Well, with that business out of the way, that means we get to jump right into talking about Pumpkinhead. And of course, just like I've said before, when we're talking about the older films, we're not going to do a spoiler alert. This is your only spoiler alert. There will be spoilers during this podcast because this movie is 34 years old. It was put out in 1988 89. You'll see why in a minute that I have the two different dates. However, you know, 
I don't think we need to go into spoiler alert territory. So just no spoilers will be talked during this review, but let's start it off the right way. Let's start it off with a synopsis from IMDb. After a tragic accident, a man conjures up a towering, vengeful demon called Pumpkinhead to destroy a group of unsuspecting teenagers. It sounds way more menacing than it truly is, but... It's very accurate at the same point in juncture. So Pumpkinhead was released initially on a limited run on October 14th, 1988, and on a wider run on January 13th, 1989. So back then, you got to remember, late 80s, there was still a lot of smaller cinemas out there. There wasn't all the cinemaplexes we have now. There was some, a lot of bigger markets, a lot of places. I think at the, the time in 1988, where I'm from, mind you, I was five or six years old, depending upon which movie came, what, you know, what date you go on. Uh, it's, it was one of those things where you ended up having like your local theater that had two, maybe three screens top, some of them only one. And then you had some bigger areas had cineplexes, five screens or better, but most places still had the smaller ones. Like we had a few smaller ones here in Binghamton. They had like two screens or one screen. And you know, even when I was growing up later on into the nineties, that was the way it wasn't until I think it was like 91 or 92 when the town square mall opened up around us that we got a cineplex that had like nine screens in it. And that was Lowe's and then later AMC. But up until that point, a lot of things. So when you had a limited release, it was going into a lot of these smaller theaters. And that's why the numbers kind of, you know, obviously October 14th until January 13th is a four month, pretty much a four month gambit. And that's how long it took it to get wide because it was kind of really, you know, released. It's like nowadays you see like with Terrifier is it did better every week they added more screens. So, I mean, it's it works way more better these days. But obviously back then, different times. The runtime of this movie, 86 minutes, an hour and 26 minute movie right in that sweet zone of horror films of the hour half that we got in the 1980s. So it falls right into that as well. The the story and, and director duties went to Stan Winston. Yes, the legendary Stan Winston, the man behind the special effects for Aliens, the man behind the special effects for Jurassic Park, and so many others. He was the man also, and his team is behind the special effects on here as well, and he's the director. This is only one of two films he directed. He directed this film, and then he later directed A Gnome Named Norm later on. Only two movies that he directed in his entire career, mostly known for special effects and as a legend in that development. I mentioned he did write the uh, story for this. The story was based on a poem uh, wrote by Ed Justin. So he took the poem, turned it into a story, and then he sat down and with that story and uh, got sat down with a scriptwriter named Mark Patrick Caducci. Uh, he did Neon Maniacs, and he was also on the Tales from the Dark Side TV series before this. Not much except for TV after this. So it kind of is a weird gambit for, for this movie. A lot of young guys as far as not doing that in the business. And this legend, Stan Winston, which comes across in what we're doing here. Cinematographer on this film, though, pretty, pretty badass and legendary. It was Bojan Bozelli. And you knew before he did the uh, before this movie, he did a, a Patty Hearst movie. That was pretty much the most thing he was known. Then he did Pumpkinhead. Then after Pumpkinhead, though, you might know some of these flicks. I wrote down a bunch of them because these are all ones that I thought it would be enjoyable. He did King of New York, a gnome uh, named Norm. So he came back and worked again with Stan Winston. The movie Deep Cover, Body Snatchers, California, Sugar Hill, Surviving the Game with My Good Friend Ice T, 
The Ring. That's right, the American version of The Ring. He was a cinematographer on that. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, A Cure for Wellness, and most recently, his two most recent movies, Underwater and Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe film. So he's still doing it, and he's done some pretty huge budget movies. He's also done some pretty legendary movies and pretty much got to start on Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead was the biggest thing he had done up to this point in his career and then went on to have this amazing, amazing career. Let's look at the actors in this film. Of course, a lot of them are smaller. A lot of them went on to just have some TV careers and little credits here and there. So we're going to kind of like scan over a lot of them, not give a lot of due. But the big star, the big marquee star from this film, and he's all over the advertisements, is Lance Henriksen. He plays Ed Harley in this movie. He started his career in 1961. We all know Lance Henriksen. I, I'm not going to waste too much time, but I'm going to go through a little creds. Before he did this, before he did Pumpkinhead, he was in Dog Day Afternoon, Close Encounters of the Third Time, Damien the Omen 2, The Terminator. And then, of course, he's most known right before this movie for doing Aliens, playing Bishop, and Near Dark. Then he did Pumpkinhead. After Pumpkinhead, he reprised his role technically in a little bit of way because he was Bishop 2 in Alien 3. It works because he's a cyborg. Uh, Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme, Powder, Scream 3, Pumpkinhead, Ashes to Ashes, and Pumpkinhead Blood Feud for the third and fourth installments of this movie, which we'll get to at some point because we're going to do the whole franchise. I can't list all of his credits because 262 acting credits for Lance Henriksen, amazing actor. You've seen him in a ton of things, but I, I would say he's most known for being Bishop or Bishop 2 in the Aliens movies. And of course, I love Near Dark. Uh, we'll have to definitely be reviewing that at some point in Juncture. Uh, Jeff East played Chris in this movie. Once again, a lot of TV. John DeKino played Joel. Kimberly Ross played Kim. Joel Hoffman as Steve. Cynthia Bain as Tracy. And Florence Scheffler as Haggis. The uh, That's the witch. And uh, Carrie Remsen played Maggie. So that rounds out the kind of the teenagers going into things. And then there's only a couple, there's only one other person, uh, two other people, sorry, of note. And of course, playing Clayton Heller, who you only see in the beginning of this film when he's banging on the door, which we'll talk about in a second, is Dick Warlock, famous for playing The Shape, Michael Myers, in Halloween 2, amongst other things. But that was his pretty big claim to fame and then Mayim Bialik was the Wallace kid in this film which is kind of interesting and she just a little bit part but of course she would go on to be Blossom and of Beaches and then later on you know her from the Big Bang Theory and the host of Jeopardy so she went on to do some big things and last but not least Tom Woodworth Woodworth Jr. that's easy for you to say is credited as playing Pumpkinhead in this film. And he went on to do a ton of stuff, including he's been an alien and a predator in multiple movies, including recently his last movie he did was he played the Predator Puppeteer in Prey, the Predator movie that just came out on Hulu in 2022. So Tom Woodruff doing big things as well. So that was pretty much your round out of the cast. Next up, we have the budget. Budget of this movie was three and a half million dollars. And in the box office, it made $4.4 million. So it made its money back in a little more. It would take a while to get a sequel. We'll end up talking about those in the future. So we're not going to get too far in the weeds on that. Now, before I jump in and get into the actual review, I'm going to, I want to get some things out up front just because, just because I don't want to keep saying them throughout this review some of my biggest issues of this movie 
have nothing to do with the story, have nothing to do with the creature itself, which I think is amazing, and that'll come across numerous times. I'm going to say it now. Stan Winston, the pumpkin head animatronic, guy and Sue, the different ways that they created the pumpkin head, phenomenal. Looks great even to this day on screen. However, <laughs> however, I can't say the same thing for the editing. The editing in this movie is rough and the editor on this movie was Marcus Manton and Marcus Manton has done some films obviously it's not like this was his first uh, most recently his last film that he did was in 2009 and that was uh, Hydra so it was a made for sci-fi movie that was his last movie that IMDB has him listed on uh, before that you know he did a lot of like made for TV movies he did a lot of like video editing he's done a lot of mic, uh, music videos he did Michael Jackson's ghost short version song he also did the long version of that he's the guy that edited Cyborg Cop 2 <laughs> like that's the kind of stuff here and he worked again on the only other movie that Stan Winston directed a gnome named Norm but not too much, not too many big things. I mean, the biggest thing that I can see, and this is me just knowing a lot of things, there's the two biggest movies I can tell you right now, and they're both canon films, was American Ninja. And of course, and I know this is going to mark out some of you at home, Break Into the Electric Boogaloo. He was the editor on that as well. So lots of canon films. Take that for what you want to take that for. But the editing in this was pretty rough. There's a lot of smash edits. There's a lot of times where the camera's focused on what it should be focused on, like either Pumpkinhead getting a victim or whether it's, you know, like an important piece of the movie, like where you're getting a piece of story. And then all of a sudden the camera, the, the, it'll edit cut. So a smash cut to just a clip of like people on looking and the reactions in their faces. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And it takes you out of the movie at multiple times during this film. So I think the editing really made this movie suffer. And the other part, I'm not going to put on anybody in particular, because it could be a, a, a con, you know, a, a a lot of people doing this problem was the lighting and there's a lot of strobe effects that I get it. I understand, you know, Stan Winston doing, you know, the aliens movies, you know, you get that strobe lighting in a certain way, you know, the same with the cinematographer doing them and the monster just looks that much better. However, I think it was overused in this movie and there was a couple other lighting issues where you're just kind of like, ah, you know, that they, that wasn't as bad as the editing. The editing is probably the worst. So, Instead of keep going back and going, okay, and here's where there was a terrible smash cut. Just know that throughout this movie, there's a ton of terrible smash cuts and there's a ton, ton of different times when you're like, why the fuck would you edit a film that way? And that is kind of where most of my problems lie. That way I don't have to keep going back to it. As you know, I'm going to go through bits and pieces of the movie. I probably have to jump around a little bit, but let's dive into the review now. Of course, we start out in 1957 and in 1957, there's a, there's a man played by Dick Warlock, banging on the door for dear life to the Wallace house. Or sorry, yeah, to the Wallace house. and Or to, no, sorry, the Harley house. I said that fucking wrong. Look at me go. Uh, so by myself, I'd have nobody to rely on here. Uh, so they, he's banging on the house of the Harley house. The only reason we know this is the Harley house is because we'll get introduced to the little boy, Ed, in a second. So he's banging on the door. He says, let me in, let me in. He's terrified. Something is after him and the family's like, hey, that's on you. Too bad. And then they tell Ed to go to bed. So Ed goes into his room to go to bed. The man had run off and Ed sees off in the distance through his window as a little boy, something, some, some big thing killing the man that was on his porch. And then we smash cut 
to uh, present day where Lance Hendrickson is now Ed Harley as an adult and he's working at the house and he's chopping some wood and getting some things together. And then we also get to meet his little son in the movie. And when I, we first meet the son, not trying to be, you know, and, and this is me. So it's little Eddie Harley. I'm not trying to, you know, and I honestly, I'm not trying anything by this. At first I thought that the, the little boy was like special. Like, I, I thought, you know, he's acting, he acts very weird. He's very timid. I mean, it could be just a normal withdrawn kid from, you know, they don't live in an urban area. It's a rural area. They're in the country. Maybe he's just a little unsure of himself and stuff. But, like, I really felt like there was, like, a little more to it. Like, I thought maybe he was, you know, in, in the nicest way possibly saying a little mentally slow. And I think that that would have played a great part in a minute when we talk about where the action sequences come in. But... I digress. I shouldn't even say action. It's just the big premise, uh, you know, the big moment where shit changes. So we get a lot of this movie, this first part of the movie where we're dealing with seeing Ed, Eddie and Ed. So Ed and Ed Jr. Technically interacting with one another. You can tell Ed is a family man. He loves his son. His son makes him this necklace and he says he'll never take it off. And you get this impression that they're like the perfect, almost little house on the prairie kind of family. Let's fast forward a little bit. They're at the, they own the little, uh, you know, I would call it more of a, it's a grocery store, gas station, a little bit of everything. It's just a general shop, if you will. If you go into little tiny areas, they still have general shops and that's what Ed runs. He's there with the son, and then we get introduced to the teenagers that are driving down the road. They're going to a cabin to have, you know, party and have sex and do drugs and drive motorbikes and all the great stuff that we had in the 1980s horror films. And they stop at the general store, and they come in to get supplies. Well, they're getting supplies. Uh, one of the bikers, it would, it, you know, comes up, and he can't wait. Cannot wait. He says, I can't wait to get off the bike. He wants to get the bikes down. He wants to go flying through the back hills. And they're just like, I don't know. I, I have no reason why this even makes sense that they're like, can't wait till they 10 minutes or less till they get to the cabin to, to ride their dirt bikes through the, you know, desolate rural area. But hey, once again, plot armor at its finest, folks. So then they get on the bikes and they're riding the bikes. And in the meantime, Ed. The father leaves to go get supplies for the store, like, and just leaves his son, little Eddie there. And it's just kind of like, okay. And nobody's watching this child except for the dog. And <laughs> at this point, one of the bikes crashes into the child. And I don't understand how it kills him, but crashes in the child, leaves the kid in a bad way. And instead of the kids, these college age kids helping this little boy out and calling the cops, getting him some help. Uh, the one guy goes, no, man, I was drunk on the bike. I can't risk getting go thrown to jail. And you're just like, what the fuck? That's the reason to hurt a child and not get help? Mind you, kid is still alive. Little Eddie is still alive. There's not going to be said. It's an accident. So then he drives off, and then the other friends drive off, leaving one friend behind, leaving Chris behind. And he's sitting there with, with, you know, little Eddie. And finally Ed comes back. And when he comes back, he picks his son up. He's very angry, obviously at Chris and uh, the other kids, because now his son is very hurt. And it's, but then here's a good part. Instead of him, <laughs> instead of him taking him to the hospital, the doctors, whatever, he takes him home and washes, washes his face. And then the child dies in his arms. The child dies in his arms because what the fuck is going on, man? What is going on? Nobody 
takes this kid to the hospital. Nobody thinks that, oh man, maybe we should find a doctor. Maybe we should call somebody. Fast forward a little bit uh, when all this is happening. They go back to the, they, they get to the cabin finally, and they're like, the, the, they want to call the, they want to call the cops or the ambulance or 911, whatever from the cabin. And the ki- the guy that hit the kid is like, nope, and cuts the phone lines. Only one line though. So if there was multiple phones, he still could have had it because it wasn't the main line. He just cut the line from the, from the wall. So they could have found another phone if they had another one, but who knows? It's a cabin. It's a rental. Who knows? Can't jump too far into that. Cuts the wire and beats somebody up for mentioning it. Then Chris comes back and says, hey, the father has him. He'll be okay. Well, they don't know that, you know, little Eddie has died. And now Big Ed is pissed. So he goes to the Wallace's. That's why I got confused earlier. He goes to the Wallace house. And at the Wallace house, he asked them to find, you know, where's that witch live? There's a, you know, and he says it in nicer terms, the old lady. But it's a witch. And they won't tell him because they're terrified of this witch and what the witch does. But the little, there's the, there's the one kid. His name in the movie is Bunt. And he says, I'll tell you, I'll take you there for $10. So he takes the, he takes the, he takes Eddie there, or Ed there, sorry, to the witch's house. Like he says, well, it's down that road. I ain't going any further because she freaks me out for $10. Sells everybody out for 10 bucks. And so he goes and meets with the old lady. He's got, you know, the dead son in hand. And the old lady, without even looking, goes, hey, I, I don't bring people back from the dead. That ain't one of my powers. And then she looks at him and goes, but I know what you want. And I can deliver what you want. I can do that. And he's obviously offering her money, giving her money down to bring the son back. But first, you know, she's like, can't do that. But I know what you want. She tells him to go to the pumpkin patch and dig up the husk of something. And then it's like, a, it looks like a creature, but it's kind of smaller. And he brings the husk back and she does her magic stuff, uh, cutting the, the kid's arm with the blood and mixing the blood with the husk of this creature. And when all this is happening, you know, Lance Hendrickson just passes out. He's having, he's having these weird visions and he passes out until life comes Pumpkinhead the demon. And basically, he's there to have revenge. We learn at this, you know, we start to learn shortly thereafter when Ed comes to and he's still not feeling right that Pumpkinhead is just going to go get vengeance and get revenge for the death of his son. And everybody who's a kid is marked. They're marked for death. So now the kids are at this cabin. They think, you know, obviously the little boy was still fucked up, but they think he's in there. Everybody's going back to normal. And then they start hearing things. And that's when we get the, the meat and potatoes of the movie. He starts picking the kids one by one. I'm not going to go really through. There's not, there's, there's only a couple really cool deaths in this, but he starts toying with them. He's like, takes the one girl and he's carving her up. And at one point in juncture, he, the pumpkin head takes the head and is wiping it on the outside of the window before shoving her through where her blood's going everywhere. She's dead. He kidnaps the other, another girl and climbs up like this big pole and then drops her like 40 feet smack dab onto a rock, breaks her back and kills her. You know, he's hunting down each of them one by one. And somewhere in this, uh, Ed starts to feel bad and says, oh, man, I got to stop this. So he goes after because obviously the kids are now running. I say kids, but they're like college age. They're running to the neighbors and any fucking house they can find banging on the doors. And of course, they're being ignored because as they're told by a couple of them, nope, you're marked for death. I don't want to do anything because if I help you, that means I die, too. So nope, not happening today, Satan. And they leave them be. So at one point, Juxture looks like Pumpkinhead is going to kill off uh, a couple of the last remainers, uh, Kim and Chris. And guess what? 
to the day comes Ed, uses a shotgun, blasts him. And at the time, uh, uh, Steve is still alive. However, this is where Pumpkinhead finally gets him. One of the cooler kills in the movie. The, uh, Steve shoots him with a rifle and says, nope, he's dead now. But then Pumpkinhead reaches to the thing, grabs the gun from him, turns it around and kind of guts him with the uh, end of the gun and launches him and kills him. So he's taken care of. And now we have the couple left. And it just becomes to the final push. And we go through a bunch of stuff, you know, final run. It looks like Chris is going to die. You know, Kim and him are, you know, on the brink of it. At one point, they run to Bunt and Bunt says, oh, I'll, I'll take you to this old church because as a demon, he can't like to go to holy ground. That ain't true because he comes in and just reeks, ha- you know, just reeks through it and they have to run away from him again. So finally, Ed tries to save them again. We get into the final climax of the film. And as Ed is stumbling, because every time... Pumpkinhead kills. Ed has these like I don't know vision orgasms. It's weird because he kind of overacts the, these parts. It really takes you out of it. And when he's gonna kill, so he's this has happened through the movie. Whether he's driving, whether he's at a kitchen table, so it's happening now because he's trying to hunt him at the same time. So he's walking kind of wobbly, and he walks into a pitchfork and hurts his arm. And he notices that Pumpkinhead's arm starts bleeding, and he's making a reaction. So it's like, oh, we're tied together. So if something happens to me, it happens to him. So he tries to light pumpkin head on fire with a flamethrower. Does not work out so well. And that leads him to doing stuff to himself, including putting a gun next to his head and pulling the trigger. Shooting himself in the head. It takes pumpkin head down for a minute, but Ed's not dead. So pumpkin head's not dead. Ed's trying to come back in. It looks like Chris is going to die. He's not there. He's going after Kim. And finally, Kim ends up with the gun. And she ends up putting three or four shots into Ed, which kills Ed and Pumpkinhead. And Pumpkinhead burns and disintegrates. Now, we hear early on that part of it is not only is it avenged, but it takes your soul. So here's where the movie ending is. So you have two survivors left. You always wonder, you know, how they explain this shit to the cops, right? Two survivors left. And the old witch comes and gets the husk to rebury the husk of Pumpkinhead. You know, because in case somebody needs vengeance in the future. As she's burying the husk, you realize the husk has the necklace that the little boy made. So that means, if you go by the logic of this movie, that at the end of the movie, Ed is now cursed to be the next Pumpkinhead. Because it was on him. Ed said he'd never take it off. So therefore, he's Pumpkinhead. End roll credits. Kind of a cool ending. Teasing a, a future Although uh, I've seen only one of the sequels so far. We're going to watch them all down the line. I can tell you they retcon some stuff. So uh, that'll be it for another show for another time. So watching through it, pretty much a story about revenge. The editing, like I said, was rough. So it takes you a lot, a lot out of it. The certain lightings, a lot of chasing. The I will say this, the monster, the effects are super duper great. Loved it. Even now in 2022, it looks cool. It looks crisp. It looks great. Before I give my scores, Let's take a little jaunt around the internets to find out what other people thought of this movie, though. IMDb gave Pumpkinhead 6.2 out of 10. Metacritic has it at a 47%. Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 65%, so it's still certified fresh. But the Rotten Tomatoes fan score is 48%, which means it's a dud. And Google users, 91% of Google users like this movie. That is an eclectic group of... Uh, scores usually they're a little tighter than that but it looks like people's are looks like people's opinions are all over the place for this flick 
Now let's jump into my scores. First, we're going to start with the nerd score for this film. For those of you who are not familiar with the nerd score, I just want a little bit of a refresher. The nerd score is three parts. It is one part critic score, one part entertainment score, one part recommendation, kind of mixed together. There's five levels. There's no points. It just fits into a level. And that is our recommendation for you, the listener. After I give the nerd score, I will give my critic score and why. Uh, but here is the scale as follows. A one is no. That means this movie is terrible. It should never be watched. Don't ever do it. You, It's just terrible. A two is you've been warned. This means it's not terrible, but it isn't good. It's still bad. So you've been warned to never watch it. A three is, ah, it's good. These are like average to good movies. Uh, they're not, you know, groundbreakers. They're not essential films to see. But at the end of the day, you're not going to really regret watching the film when it's all said and done. A four is just take my money. That means these are the essential films. These are the the really good to great films. These are movies that you should see in your lifetime. If you they're in a theater, can spend money there. If they're you know buy them on Blu-ray or DVD, add them to your collections. Don't don't worry about it. These are movies you're going to watch time and time again. And then last but certainly not least is the five spot, and that is the rarefied air. That is certified nerd. That is set there for the best of the best, the classics movies like Jaws, uh, Halloween, the original from 1978, Jurassic Park, and more. They fall right into the term of certified nerd. It don't get much better than that. So on this movie for Pumpkinhead, I'm giving Pumpkinhead, I'm giving it a three. I'm giving it, ah, it's good. You're going to see what my critic score, it's, it's going to fall a little bit, it's a little bit out of the zone, but I'm going to say this. You won't regret seeing this movie. You're going to notice some of the, the the crappy editing, in my opinion. There's some other like really small things that you can pick over. But the fact that the Stan Winston special effects in this movie, particularly the demon pumpkin head, is worth watching. It's not like you're going to regret it, but you're not going to come away from it going, oh, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. And I know there's some of you out there who will argue with me and say that I'm wrong, and that's fine. Art is subjective. I just don't think this is a great, great movie. I think it is... You know, it's around that average side. That's why I'm going to give it a three. Now, my score is going to kind of reflect a little different. I'm giving this a four and a half out of 10, so slightly below average. I really do think it knocks it out of there. But once again, I bumped it up in the other aspect to make it more of an average film just because I think that you won't regret seeing this and it's not a bad movie to watch, but I still want to go out of my way to see it. Like I said, I'm sure there's some of you who agree with me and I'm sure there's some of you that disagree with me, but that's just my thoughts and opinions on Pumpkinhead. So it got a three. Ah, it's good. And on my critic score, four and a half out of 10. If you would like to let me know what you thought about it, hit us up on those social medias, hit us up, uh, you know, anywhere you can. And of course you can get all of that information plus the Patreon link, plus the directories, plus everything else that you need to know about the 3FN podcast at 3FNpodcast.com. That brings us to the end of this show this week. We've got uh, a double feature coming up at the end of the month on the 3FN Horror Show, and that's going to be Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving 3, and Diesel from the 3FN Show will be joining me for that double feature. That is going to come out in a couple weeks on a Friday, right around Thanksgiving time. Well, until then, for the 3FN Horror Show, hopefully you turn into the 3FN Podcast, you know, as the flagship show, because this upcoming week we will be diving in and reviewing Black Panther Wakanda Forever. But until the Wakanda Forever review or until the next 3FN Horror Show or whatever you check out, thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully you like the review and uh, just be careful of things that go bump in the night and always remember... Don't kill somebody who might know an old witch that will put a curse of a demon on that ass. Later, nerds. Later, nerds.